Aalto University Podcast. Let, let, let me go uh, to our final uh, themes by first uh, opening up something that, well, uh, this is sort of my dream of a kind. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, very often I, I, I nowadays get uh, greetings from somebody's, uh, here in Otaniemi, from, say, somebody's uh, grandma. So, so uh, of course, occasionally I get the greetings from the ma. It, it could be somebody's father I get greetings from. But quite often it's getting greetings from somebody's grandma. Uh, and, of course, this means that, you know, I, I'm not quite as young as I used to be. So, so, so uh, <laughs> and, and it's, it, 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 it's kind of shocking, though. Uh, and, 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 but the fact that uh, I'm, I'm 65 means also that certain modes of thinking to me are, uh, in terms of the communicative force, uh, perhaps to some extent peculiar to, uh, to, to my generation and also to the possibilities that exist, to the habits that happen to be there. So, uh, Things like rose buying, uh, to me, in many ways, represents a possibility that would be there uh, in terms of somebody, let's say, in a marriage, and I'm suggesting that everybody should be in a marriage, but let's talk about a marriage. You know, uh, you know after all, if somebody is my age, it's, it's natural to observe that, you know, most people actually have lived a lot of their lives within marriages or similar kind of relationships. And, and this has happened typically, I would say, in such a way that that dimension that uh, all people have to some extent, which is uh, romanticism, in almost all cases hasn't really come out that strongly. So given the fact that I'm myself a Finnish man, to me it's sort of fairly natural to envision this kind of a dream that we Finnish men would be world famous for our rose-buying behaviors. I mean, just imagine uh, that from the point of view of, let's say, some uh, delegation that comes to to, to, to Finland from, from let's say, uh, Japan in February, in the midst of a s- snowstorm. Now, if there is a snowstorm in Finland in February, this means that if you have to travel, let's say, to Tampere, it could be that if it's a particularly heavy snowstorm, it could be that you are as much as, let's say, 12 minutes late. Because the Finnish society doesn't Quite, it doesn't function quite as efic- effectively as it would have been had there not been a snowstorm. I mean, there is some effect the snowstorm has on Finnish society. So it, it's possible that you arrive wherever you are going, it, that Japanese delegation, let's say 12 minutes late, even 20 minutes late. But basically everything is functioning. But you might arrive late. But imagine then the Japanese delegation arriving there 
to the uh, headquarters of company such and such. And they come to the lobby through that snowstorm and immediately say they see a couple of Finnish guys, you know, engineer guys, perhaps, with rose buckets. And, and the guys are excitedly talking about roses. This is because of the reason that the other one had found orange ones somewhere. So naturally, the other guy is excited. Where did you find those orange ones? So this would be a big theme for us Finns as men. I think it would be exciting, particularly if everything else would stay the same. So we would be still, you know, completely poker-faced. So, 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 so uh, a Finn winning, let's say, Monaco Grand Prix, totally poker-faced. It went pretty well. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, no matter what happens, we would be exactly the same as now. But there would be this as it were, little detail that uh, would intervene. And this would be us showing the fact that we love our special ladies. So, so uh, and we have recognized the fact that the special lady appreciates this kind of gestures. So to me, it wouldn't be that exciting to receive spontaneous roses, but I've noticed that for her, it's sort of a point. So, so I mean, people are different anyway. So like in my case, I've noticed, at first I was quite surprised about it, that when I leave a little note to the special lady in the morning, and remember we have such a time difference, because she likes, she likes to stay up late. So typically when I wake up and leave home, she's still sleeping. So, so typically what I do is that I, uh, I, I use this kind of uh, uh, um, AA5 size envelopes, used envelopes, and that I also use for taking notes. But in this case, I write a short, it's not really a love letter, in most cases, just a date, uh, there's a heart, and it says, I love you, signed by me. And, and sometimes there might be a couple of sentences, but typically, uh, it's just basically, I love you. And, and uh, in some sense, I'm a little bit surprised that this seems to mean something to her. I mean, she hasn't typically written a similar no, to me, sometimes she, she would leave, let's say, uh, by, by my uh, briefcase. If she knows I'm having a particularly tough case ahead of me, so she might have left a little note. But it's not sort of reciprocal, in the sense that the same would uh, uh, return to me. And this is because she knows I'm not like that, but for her this means something. So, so similarly, uh, in, in any work context, you have people that appreciate, for instance, somebody being interested in what they're doing more than somebody else does. And, and of course, you could, in principle, show the interest. And, and, and uh, you know, some people like to hear that they've done something good. So, so you could, of course, go and say, to say, hey, that was a great job. A theme we discussed a little bit during our first Day. And, and there are all kinds of things, of course, that the human being can do that are kind of micro-contributions, potentially, from the point of view of the one who receives it. And of course, it's very hard for anybody to deny that you couldn't do more of those. 
So, uh, wanting to illustrate the logic of this kind of uh, space where anybody could make a micro-contribution, but for somebody else it might be a major contribution. Uh, because maybe it signals something more from his or her point of view. Uh, the rose buying Finns case to me is interesting because of course at current time you don't have rose buying Finns uh, making their way in, in, in snowstorms or any other weather. What you have most of the time I would say is, is non-rose buying. But the non-rose buying you don't perceive. Just like you don't perceive the fact that that meeting you're having is pretty low in energy. If it is like meetings are in the company you're working for. So to the extent it is uh, according to the standard, you won't observe the fact that you know people don't show interest in one another. I mean, people don't uh, express gratitude. So... so uh, if it's the case that by joining a given current, i.e. adopting a standard, uh, in most cases, even if the standard is tremendously lousy, you won't observe that after a while because you've adapted yourself to the standard. So, so, so uh, I mean, basically, the entire world has by this time adopted to the lying standard of the President of the United States. It really is sort of amazing, but this is how humans behave. You sort of adapt to a standard. So, so if it's the case that, for instance, the standard of rose buying is in fact non-rose buying, you adapt to that and don't perceive it as happening. So if you go to that uh, same company that the Japanese delegation went in the fictional example and observed there in the lobby what's going on, you don't perceive non-rose buying. Because the fact that nobody has bought roses is the standard. So uh, if it's the case that, for instance, people don't really read physical books that much at the Alto campus, and you go to the Brooklyn Cafe, which is quite a nice cafe there. You don't say to yourself, hey, a lot of non-book reading going on. So, so, so uh, because it's just the standard. I mean, people don't read physical books. So, uh, it's clear that there's an abundance of various kinds of behaviors that might be quite beneficial and might be there as a result of a micro-change at the current time to the norm, but it's difficult to make even that step if your mind is even mentally so full of being engaged in the current challenges that you can't even think about an alternative. Although, as a human being, of course, you have the capability to imagine. Of course, you can fly with your mind, but you might not use your abilities to fly with your mind. And, and, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you might use surprisingly narrowly. Uh, now, should it be the case that you would benefit sufficiently much from something? Uh, you know, I, 
I, I find the way we are here working today to breathe quite well. I enjoy that very much. The fact that I feel that we, we breathe a lot. So, so, so because I don't, I, I don't like the situation to be pressurizing, to sort of hold on to the st steering wheel too, too tightly. And I, I, I could sense it when we started, when I came here, and, and, and I felt that, 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 uh, that, that, uh, that there's a particular kind of warmth that I need not actually uh, uh, work on that much. So, so as a result, I could go up here and I could still feel the warmth. Kind of phenomenon is one where it's clear that if you do something and it comes back to you in some other form, in some other as their currency, it makes sense to do it. Now, uh, very often, however, it's unclear what you yourself get. I mean, if it would be the case that any time you come with spontaneous roses as a man, if it would be the case that your special lady would be tremendously delighted and expressed it in so many terms. You know, I, I think it would probably encourage us to do so. It's, it's uh, not obvious that that is the case, however, that such an outcome would be there. This could be, for instance, for the reason that she might think that you are trying to buy out her. So, so she might think that you coming with roses is a signal of you wanting to do something by yourself in the, in the, in the, in the evening, maybe to indulge yourself in some kind of motorcycle dreams or, or, or watch some stu stupid football game uh, when there are so many things that one should do at home. So therefore, therefore if she believes that you are offering the roses as an exchange of something that would benefit you, she's likely not to fall into it because these super women don't want to be bought out. They don't want to be manipulated. So therefore, she's likely to come up with a preemptive strike. No matter what you are trying to buy, you're not going to get it. So what she's going to say is, is yellow roses, this is outrageous. Because yellow signals being rejected could be one line. Or it could be that, that 10 roses, you know, this, this, this is incredible, not 12, should be 12. Or 9, 9 even would have been better. And you know, there are all kinds of reasons why she might pick up a fight in terms of doing a preemptive strike. And this is because she doesn't want to get into a deal she didn't want in the first place via that, uh, that, that uh, uh, roast baguette. I mean, when, when somebody has been in one of my seminars, for instance, there was uh, last week uh, such an impressive set. I had the honor of running for the uh, executive education uh, 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 of, of Alto. Uh, this, I, I've, I've been given an MBA course or module uh, 
for at least 10 years, well, must be more now. Anyway, for quite some time. And, and uh, it's really great, you know, uh, three days. So we have three consecutive days, like, like we have been now having, this is the second day, but we had two weeks apart. So when you have just consecutive days, there's so much you can do because the, 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 the group becomes so open to one another that, that the momentum uh, is reflected back to me uh, as tremendous uh, uh, encouragement. So it's really been going extremely strongly, extremely well. But one of the things I always warn the executives about, and this is when you return back to your uh, home base, when you return back to the office, if there are certain contributions you want to make, certain uh, micro changes you want to come up with, micro contributions, and of course you are likely to want to do those. Because very hard, it's very hard to imagine that everything you do is exactly as it should be. But the problem is that uh, your team members are already used to you as you used to be. And for this reason, whatever you do is going to stand out with respect to the history that already exists. And because of the fact that the history is one where, if you're a manager, where you haven't demonstrated that much interest in what specifically your uh, team members are concerned with. If the experience is that, uh, well, he is in many ways a very able professional, but he isn't that generous. I mean, it's, it's very hard for him to give positive feedback. So if all of a sudden you do give positive feedback, it's interpreted, it's framed against the fact that you haven't been doing this. Just like if somebody who hasn't been for, let's say, 15 years buying spontaneous roses to his special lady all of a sudden shows up with roses, it's natural that the special lady is pretty surprised and believes that there's something hidden here. But nobody wants to become the subject of something where, where you've been uh, 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 where you've been manipulated into an outcome you didn't want. So this is uh, bad news because the fact is in the case of most marriages, not each, each one, and we, we realize, you know, may, 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 maybe it's a gay marriage, you know, uh, maybe it's not a marriage, it's a relationship, no, but, but you said in most cases, uh, if there would be more romanticism, that would be good for everybody. But you're stuck with the current situation. And you're stuck with the current situation on the one hand because the norm is so lousy, so you can't look for others for help. At the same time, you're stuck with your own history. And then if you think about calculating the benefits, maybe there isn't anything coming in your way. So as a result, you're stuck. But at the same time, of course, the better option exists, and it's an abundant one. I mean, abundance is everywhere in terms of the possibilities that anybody could do, anybody. You know, 
it's very hard for any Finnish man who is working, is, is, is living a normal life to claim that he couldn't buy today roses spontaneously to his special lady. And uh, please excuse me for pushing the case so strongly through the marriage because, of course, most, most of you won't be in a marriage just now, but I'm illustrating a theme. And if we say, well, would it be possible for the micro-contribution such as buying roses still to emerge, even if the standard around the house where you are living is lousy, even when you wouldn't benefit it from yourself, even if it's the case that your, your track record in terms of rose buying is zero, would you still buy roses? The answer is yes. Because you can just choose it. I mean, this is exactly what we saw Jules to do in the Pulp Fiction episode we discussed. I mean, the guy started to think. You know, he's been a gangster all his life. You know, he's killed people, he's robbed people, there are all kinds of things he's been doing all his life. But now that he think about it, you know, this isn't actually the kind of living I want to live. You know, I, I, I've had new thoughts. This is exactly the kind of transformation situation that uh, Tarantino presented to us through Kill Bill even more forcefully in the character of, of the bride that Uma Thurman in Kill Bill acts the role of. It's basically about somebody coming uh, to a situation where he, Jules, or she, the pride, black mamba, kiddo, starts to think about more deeply and engages in deliberate reflection and, and uh, re really turns the case around him, around himself or herself. Do I want my child to be born to this context of bills? And she comes to the conclusion, no. In his case, it's like, uh, do I want to continue this, this life where, where I, I mean, I kill people. You know, uh, we, we go around in, with these suitcases. We, we do all kinds of things, you know, uh, it's, it's, it pays off, but do I want to do it? And he comes to the conclusion, no. So, of course, somebody would come to the conclusion of buying roses. Now, let's assume that a guy roughly my age, let's say, today comes to that conclusion. You know, maybe the guy took part in, uh, in, in my uh, exit of the MBA last week, and, and uh, it ended on, on Saturday. So, so uh, maybe he didn't do it on Saturday, then it was Sunday, he didn't do it, but now it's Monday. So maybe right now, he's considering the possibility of returning from the office to his home in Lautasari. Via Mekelinin katu, but there is Kampin Kukka. He has noticed, it's a nice flower shop. It's been there for ages. It's been run by this, this Jana, who is such a colorful character. 
and and uh, she always brings flowers to that sort of corner. It's covered with roses, the entire corner. It's right next to, uh, opposite uh, Kabuki, the Japanese restaurant. And it's open uh, each day to seven. So, 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 so maybe, let's say, Jaska, the Finnish guy, right now is thinking of the possibility of returning home to Lautasari and drop by Jana's flower shop in order to buy some roses. And let's assume that uh, this is indeed what he does. Then he returns home to Lautasari. Maybe the special lady isn't home at yet. But there is uh, their, their son, uh, Janne. So Janne sees his father come with roses. So Janne is uh, a little bit surprised. Let's say he is 12. So, so uh, he comes with roses, tries to open up uh, the bucket, and Janne says, uh, what are these? And uh, he says, these are roses. Did you get them from somewhere? No, no, I didn't get them. I bought them. Is it some special day? No, no, it's not a special day. Apart from any day being kind of a special day. But I wanted to buy them. Because of the fact that, uh, Janne, I've given some thought to the fact that your mother is the woman of my life. And ladies very often, they appreciate little gestures, such as spontaneous roses. So as a result, I bought these roses. But this is something you have never been doing, Daddy. That's true. Because I failed to think about it. This is possible to happen in life, that you fail to think about something. Now I've done some thinking. And, and uh, actually, I can tell you something right away, Janne. One day, let's say uh, 30 years from now, you'll come uh, to visit uh, mommy and me with your own family. We are living here together, maybe in the same flat, right here in Lautasari. You know how your mommy loves Lautasari. Maybe we are still in this very same flat. We are retired. It's just a two of us. You come here with your family. I can tell you right now something. We will have roses. Now, this is possible. You know, somebody can reflect within and come to a conclusion regarding what to somebody's style is. But to somebody's style, the theme we discussed with 007 philosophy at some length, doesn't uh, present itself that automatically. Instead, there are all kinds of things that might have tempted you elsewhere. If you think about um, one of uh, Lady Gaga's, I would say, more impressive uh, videos, I'm not going to show it this time, however, I'm just mentioning it, is, uh, is, is the video uh, Bad Romance. Now, what happens story-wise in, uh, in the video Bad Romance is that... Uh, Lady Gaga is there uh, dressed up so that uh, she really is the object of the male gaze to the utmost, which is, of course, something that Lady Gaga likes to do. She likes to sort of pick up cliches of what it means to be sexy from the point of view of men and then uh, uh, brings those to the limit. 
little bit like Tarantino is doing with, with, with violence. So, so you can expect her to be uh, very, very uh, 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 scarcely dressed in some incredible uh, bikinis and whatnot, and, and, and moving around in, in all kinds of sexy moves and stuff like that. Uh, even crawl. Because there is this guy uh, with a golden uh, chin. And apparently a guy of considerable material resources. And you know, you, somebody can have a, a romance with that kind of a guy. I mean, you can have a romance with, with, with somebody, but it actually is going to ruin you unless something happens. Now, with uh, this particular video, what happens is that uh, a fire breaks out with the result that uh, the character that Lady Gaga is there playing almost burns to death, but she doesn't completely do so. I mean, she does survive. It's a close one, but she survives it. He doesn't survive. So, so uh, eventually he's going to be dead, Donald Trump. You know, one day he's going to be finished. Uh, and and uh, of course you say, let's say five years, 10 years, then on. You know, what might be some of the thoughts regarding him? It's the kind of thinking that here is relevant because it's clear in many cases when you are tempted into something, uh, that uh, the something in which you are tempted does pay off in the short run. But in the longer run, you realize, you know, uh, this is going to destroy you. Uh, and and uh, it could be also uh, a bad romance with your lower motives. So, so uh, some motives we have, some of the tribes we have, we know are higher than some others. So a higher motive, for instance, is a motive to respect something, the, the, uh, the, the desire to do something good, the, the desire to reach out beyond yourself, the desire to sort of check your own ego, to, to, to work for the benefit of, 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 of something higher. These are higher motives. Lower motives typically relate to your bodily, bodily blessers. And, and those are ones that you can feed also with all kinds of physical and, and chemical uh, means. So, so uh, there could be a situation where you are tempted, although you have such a great relationship with your current spouse, although you have such great children together with the current spouse, but given the fact that you're a little bit intoxicated, given the fact that it's been going on not that well actually in the last few weeks, maybe months, between the two of you, maybe at the end of an evening like there's going to be, let's say next Friday, quite a few, in quite a few cases on Saturday when you have these Christmas parties, things go a bit too far from the point of view of the marriage. So this is going with the lower motive. The higher motive there will be loyalty, faithfulness, trustworthiness, stuff like that. Of course, some of your habits, some of your mental models, 
some of your uh, reaction styles could also be such that you have a bad romance with it. Meaning, there is temptation to go along with it, but you know that actually when, if this continues, it's not going to be that good in the long run. So you feel when you are uh, constantly clipping with your uh, uh, smartphone that actually this isn't such a great habit. It's, it's just that you sort of somehow feel tempted. So, so uh, it could be that earlier the mental, the mental model worked pretty well. But what now is happening is that it makes you crawl. So bad romance with, uh, uh, with, with your, let's say, particular way of thinking, particular way of speaking, particular self-image, particular life philosophy is what we are talking about. With your own problems, this is amazing. Uh, the point that uh, when you are irritated to the extent of actually exploding, there is something in you that is sort of proud of you, typically. Although you know that this is actually not going to contribute, you're somehow proud of you of the fact that you are shouting there that you have uh, managed to be an asshole. Uh, and and uh, it's, 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 it's this kind of uh, uh, love with yourself as somebody who is uh, reiterating, taking the problem to the next level kind of thing. It could also be that, that, that you somehow attach this with your star qualities. I would say this is the case with some of these, 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 these uh, characters that, that have been caught uh, 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 by the Me Too movement, that they are attracted to the star qualities, but the star qualities bring along lower motives. Uh, but the context in which the person has the star qualities is such that you don't have counterbalance. So every, everybody is behaving as if it's okay to do what you've been doing. With the upside aspects of assholeism, you know, Anything in human life basically has also upside aspects. So, so, so you know uh, on some level that you know, you're being an asshole, but it has sort of an upscale. So, so, so it's, it sort of delights you uh, with your own self-centeredness. Now, we noticed earlier that this is very hard for a human being to avoid self-centeredness. And the pronin paper that you... Uh, uh, read through and, and did the, uh, the, the little article about also emphasizes this from another angle because a human being has access to himself or herself the way you don't have access to anybody else. It is for this reason why it's so easy for you also to make excuses because you can consult what you intended, something you can't do with anybody else. And therefore, what actually happens is kind of secondary when we are talking about your own actions. With values that do not aspire with your deep aspirations. Now, if you have a bad romance with values that do not aspire with your deep aspirations, it could be, for instance, that you become a bit too excited about making money. Now, I would say in, in our kind of culture, it's very hard for a human being, to some extent, not to be interested in money. 
and therefore of money making. But of course, something can sort of gain momentum. And uh, I've been amazed by this in the course of my life. The fact that no matter how rich somebody is, the person quite clearly feels he doesn't have, she doesn't have enough. It really is amazing. It's, it's, it's very seldom you have people like, uh, uh, of the people I know, uh, Matti Alahuhta, the former CEO of Kone, is the most untouched, I think, by the fact that he has gained considerable wealth. He hasn't changed as a result. In most cases, your thinking starts to circle around the fact that you only have such and such much, and you must all the time secure that it doesn't diminish what you have. Uh, kind of thing. So, so the values that actually start to drive uh, you might be ones that don't actually resonate with your deep aspirations. But if you are not connected with your deep aspirations, then you can go on with the, uh, the, 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 the values that actually do not aspire with those deep aspirations. And if, if what you have there outside is something that is so tempting that, sort of it, that, 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 that you, you used to start to go, it could be an entire lifestyle. I mean, it's quite possible that this is our case of, of the entire culture, that we have a bad romance with a lifestyle that just won't be sustainable. And, and in, in fact, by this time, it, it seemed pretty clear rationally that some aspects, at least, of our lifestyle are like this. So, so, so uh, all this means, I think, the need to do the kind of reflective work that this seminar that we have tried to create together tries to serve. And to that effect, also, the reflective essay that I hope to see you write uh, will provide a context for. Now, with, with all this in mind, think about the following. And now it seems that I'm going to uh, uh, change the perspective. Uh, please follow me here. Uh, let's talk about six people. These six people form, let's say, a project team. The six people of the project team are going to speak English in the meeting, and it's possible that the first person to come isn't that comfortable with his or her, but let's say in this case his uh, English language. Also, it could be that he isn't that comfortable uh, talking through English language in front of other people. Also because it's possible that maybe there's an Australian guy who is coming to the meeting, who of course is speaking his native language. But it also could be that the Australian guy, let's say by the name of Mark, is one of these Aussies who is so, you know, uh, sociable, you know, uh, tremendously fit, you know, maybe some ex-surfer with curly hair, laughing loudly kind of character. You know, everybody loves him. This means from the point of view of the Finnish guy, who is uncomfortable even with his English at the best of circumstances, is, is going to come in and sort of feel the lessening effect. And, and uh, enter the meeting room as a 0 0.8, let's say, version of himself. I mean, he realizes painfully the fact that he can't even pronounce the keyword change properly. 
because he can't push the lips at the end the way it should be done. You know, change as opposed to change. And the reason why he he can't push his lips at the end of the word change is because he's a Finnish guy. You know, us Finnish guys, we don't push our lips outwards even when kissing. So he enters the room at 0.8. There is uh, Mark, the Australian guy, coming in, thinking, you know, these Finns, I like them in many ways. You know, they, they are such, there's almost innocence about them. But you would, be expect, you would expect them to be able to say something without three beers. You know, I'm tired of sitting in these saunas all the time. So he loses 20%. Uh, a lady comes in, loses 20%, let's say, on the basis of the fact that, you know, I hate this implicit chauvinism. I, 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 I hate this, uh, this, this, this forced rationality, so-called. You know, there's such pretentiousness around. It's incredible. So uh, each person coming to the meeting room loses 20% of his or her best edge. And how does that happen? This is a key point. How does that happen? Well, it happens through the person's thinking. And through that realm, nobody can avoid, which is anticipation. A human being can't help but anticipate. There are certain things you can choose. Certain other things you can't choose. One of the things you can't choose is you can't help but anticipate. And because of the fact that you can't help but anticipate, what those anticipations are is going to affect you. But in most cases, the anticipations happen so quickly that you don't have time to reframe them. You don't have time to question them. You don't have time to sort of put them in some other words. So the anticipations just take place. But basically it means that what has been in the past takes over what now is. But not only now, but also the future, because you are going to enter the room in such a way that certain futures are blocked out. So people come in as 0.8 versions of them. Each of them is anticipating the others to be like they've been so far. Let's face it, you know, people are not that encouraging in, in our company. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's understandable given that they have education such and such or their age group so and so or whatever reasons, you know, we, uh, after this merger, nothing really was like in the old days. You know, that there are all kinds of rational reasons why the situation is exactly as it is, but from your point of view, it's not that you would have come up with something through imagination. It's just that you know what facts are as you return home. I mean, you're, you know the spouse. You know, I, after your second child, you know, this is how things have been. It's, it's not a figment of your imagination. This is not something that you came up with. So you come home, you go to the office. In this case, you come to the meeting room. Now, 
all along, however, of course, there would have been a third option. And it's the third option that we encountered first with uh, Muhammad Ali receiving the gold medal and then being hugged by the Dream Team case. We also uh, encountered this, this third option with, with Mandela when at the end of the clip we saw he uh, raised the possibility uh, for a leader how to make people be more than they believe they can be. So this is uh, the 1.2 option. Now, what this would mean in the example we are here covering is the Finnish guy coming in who's not that comfortable with his English language, who's not that comfortable at speaking in front of others, thinking so good Mark would make it. Because he is so incredibly quick with the English language. It's just absolutely stunning how carefully he listens to me when I try to stumble out a point. But he knows, you know, I, I'm, I'm not that verbal. Uh, but it's amazing how he reads between the lines, how he, he picks up the core, and how he then crystallizes that into the most beautiful jewels. It's so good he could make it, because it isn't that easy given his travel schedule. So there is the Finnish guy as a 1.2 version of himself. Uh, there's the Australian guy, also as a 1.2 version. And why is that? Well, that's because of the fact that he enjoys being able to contribute on so many different levels. I mean, he has always wanted to give his best. But before, when he worked in, in Australia, he didn't realize, you know, I'm, I'm a great communicator, as it now turns out to be the case when I'm working in this, this multicultural team here in Finland. There's a lady coming, thinking, one of the things I truly appreciate is the fact that my male colleagues, they are gentlemen. You hear it immediately. Let's say we have a break. I overhear one of the guys talking over the phone with uh, maybe uh, his children, maybe with his spouse, maybe with his mother. I can tell immediately this guy knows what's it all about. Which means from my point of view that I can be myself to the full. So everybody is 1.2 version of himself or herself with the logic that is the same. And the logic is that the person projects himself or herself into the company of those others through anticipation. That being something you can't avoid. So you anticipate what it's like to be one in that particular group. But as you interact in the group, things multiply. You could say this is basically what interaction is about multiplication. Something gets multiplied. So you could say uh, the effect of the difference between 0.8, say, version as compared to 1.2 version is pretty considerable when you think about it through the fact that 
as a result of interaction, things multiply. Now, now this is uh, the arithmetic of J.D. Barrickvist, I call it, according to the Nokia senior vice president that after one of my lectures uh, basically presented this idea of, as, as JDB calls it, calls it super productivity. Uh, it's, it's, it's an option that is within us as human beings. It's the option we saw with uh, uh, Ali and Muhammad Ali, uh, sorry, Ali and the Dream Team case. It's, it's the option that is referred to uh, in, in the Mandela case. This, this is an option within us. And, and it's, an, it's an interesting option because as an option, I would say it's something that was there all along. Now, please follow me with this. Uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, or could be even longer time ago, uh, I had started to uh, become interested in infant research. The reason why I become interested in infant research was because I had become more and more interested in those human capabilities that are clearly beyond the rational model. So, so I became more and more interested in the kind of uh, instinctual, if you will, some kind of uh, attunement to others dimensions that, that point beyond what can be, for instance, verbalized. So, so uh, as a result, I started to dig into infant research because one of the key points of modern infant research is to emphasize the activity of the baby, activity. So contrary to what you might think, think on the face of it, the baby is not the recipient of external activity. It turns out that she is very much part of the activity. She's co-creating the situation. Now, one way you see this happening is when, uh, let's say, somebody in, in my, uh, among my friends uh, get, uh, get a grandchild. And, and uh, what happens to these people when they get a grandchild. And you see the difference particularly strongly in men. Is that they start to behave in ways they never behaved before. They start to, for instance, speak in sort of funny ways. You know, all kinds of boom, 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 kind of speak. And, and, and this is because they instinctually gear towards finding a sink with the infant. But the infant is already doing it. Uh, he saw uh, he her abilities to do so, that is to, to establish a sink, establish a connection, are uh, uh, lessened by the fact that he or she has such a lousy control over movements, for instance. But of course, he or she still has eyes. So to some extent, uh, he or she can still hold on to fixing the eyes. But that means that if the other one is, for instance, so, sort of taking a look and then turning away, taking a look again, you know, a certain rhythm can be established and she can sort of join in. Or it also could be that she says, ah. And you say, ah. And she says, ah. And you say, ah. 
and and you know a certain sort of melody starts to step in now the, this this uh, systems intelligence brilliance at the age of two months old that you had is uh, empirical research indicates part of the reason why you are here. I mean, it's part of uh, the mechanisms through which the human being grows, this kind of ability to read into the intentions of the other one. So there's sort of like an anticipation of the projection. And it's in that projection that you, uh, uh, you step in and, and to influence others at the same time as those others influence you that we are here talking about from the point of view of maybe having a more clear-cut basic understanding of the mechanism through the fact that you've been thinking about life a bit more deeply than many others would deeper think about life because of course many people take the surface to be the whole truth and therefore don't reach out to beneath that surface uh, in order to find a deeper sink the, the, the kind of momentum that maybe would be there, not only for her, but to you too, as a unit, and through that unit to your, yourself as an individual. Which would mean, from your point of view, the possibility of maybe when it comes to actual uh, uh, actions through your expertise, possibility of coming up with something quite considerable in terms of the kind of things that you want to accomplishes in life, in line with the majesties, the deep aspirations that you've given some serious thought to since the time of, of your studies. Maybe you, you made the, the, the habit of returning to some of the fundamentals, let's say with a little notebook, uh, let's say a couple of times a year. This is something I know that uh, Christo Silasmat does to see the, the, the chairman of Nokia, whom arguably is one of the leading businessmen we have in this country, and uh, of course an alumni of, of, uh, of, of uh, well, not Aalto, but uh, the predecessor of Aalto. Uh, he's an alumni of my uh, department. And, but what Risto does is that uh, he goes back to what he calls the leadership principles. And, and he reflects uh, again and again those, those, those uh, leadership principles. Sometimes he says he finds reasons to, to, uh, to, to uh, adjust some phrases there. But it basically is reflecting on the deeper dimension of life. And why this is important, I'd like to uh, uh, suggest through the following example, which to me is... Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a strange personal story. This uh, I already mentioned. Uh, Arian Rita Vatanen, the, the rally champion, and his uh, wife, whom Pips and you. Uh, the first time I met them basically was when our boys were small. Uh, I think they were three years at the time. And we were having an evening out, my mother was there with the boys, and uh, we ran into the Vatanens. At the time they lived in Monaco, but they happened to be in Helsinki, 
So they came to our place in the middle of the night. And the first thing that the rally champion wanted to do when he came to our place made an impression on me because he wanted to see our sleeping children. I mean, when you look at uh, your chil uh, sleeping children or when you look at any sleeping children, I think what you see into is to the vulnerability of life in the dimension of the upscale. To the extent that you are interested in the upscale, you open yourself to themes of vulnerability. An infant is so vulnerable, but at the same time, the promise of the miraculous is there, which is what human growth is all about. I mean, it really is miraculous. So when you are looking at children as they're sleeping, I think this is the key point that comes across. When children are not sleeping, their energy tends to mesmerize your attention. So, so, so therefore, uh, uh, your, 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 your uh, story of the situation often, I think, is, is misled to, to, to side details. At the key, the key point, I think, about life that comes across when you look at children as they're sleeping is the vulnerability of the most beautiful. The vulnerability of the, of the upscale. Then we started to talk, and Aris rallying career was still going on, and he's from Karelia. You know, he's a colorful guy. He's such a social character. And, and uh, he, he didn't have that much schooling, but he's such a great guy. And, and, and so funny also. So, so he's there talking about his rallying career very colorfully. And, and of course, he nearly died in the Argentina rally in, in 80, was it 84, 85, I think it was. Uh, and, and then miraculously recovered and returned driving to driving and stuff like that. Okay, so, so uh, Ari is there talking about his rallying career, but then he all of a sudden says, one of the biggest moments of my rallying career took place right here in Finland. You know, the Finnish rally, I mean, we Finnish drivers, we love it. It's a dirt road rally. It's, it's, it's so fabulous in the middle of the summer. I've come to know so many people over the years. Uh, and uh, there was a family that lived in a house uh, which was built right next to the road uh, near one of my favorite stages, the states of Mühimpä. So I've come to know the family who had uh, two sons that were in wheelchairs. So I come to know this, this family one year as we were testing out I suggested to other drivers, hey, let's stop. Buy the boys and give autographs to them. Uh, because they used to have blue uh, uh, leaflets to which you could write your autograph. So uh, Ari said it was quite a sight to have those, those, those rally cars. They're queuing up with those two boys in, in wheelchairs. Then one year he said when we were, trying, we were testing out the boys were not there, which sort of surprised me, but this was just testing, so uh, didn't pay that much attention to it. But then during the rally itself, we had a service place nearby where the boys lived, so I came to the service place, got out from the car, 
and there are villagers watching us. So, so I went to talk to the villagers. How are you doing? How's it going here? How, how are Kim and Pasi? I didn't see them. Then we were testing out here, how are they doing? Ari said, I asked the villagers who say, haven't you heard, Ari? Haven't you heard that uh, Kimo and Pasi are dead? Both of them died last year. They had uh, MS disease where your muscles gradually collapse. We said, taking his final toll, so boys were dead. Ari said, I went back to the car and started to drive towards the next stage where, of course, you just have to announce yourself within a time frame. Uh, but you are not uh, driving fast. You are just driving among ordinary traffic. So before I come to the start line, I pass the house of the boys. And uh, from a distance, I see that this time there's just one person by the post box. A lonely figure, and that is the father of the boys. So Ari said, I thought this is a man I cannot pass by. So he stops the rally car. There is the father. Thanks a lot, Ari, for stopping. Maybe you've heard what has happened to my sons. Let me just thank you for those postcards that you would send occasionally. And in particular, what you did during the rally when you would drive here and from the rally car wave to the boys as their friend. It always gave so much strength. But now that the boys are gone, I would have the final request, which is if you could this year dedicate your driving on that next stage to the memory of my two boys. Says this father and starts to cry. Ari said, I left the crying father and started to cry myself hysterically. We came to the start line a couple of kilometers from where we met the father. Uh, and if you imagine this situation, this rally car coming to the start line. Uh, and inside the rally car, the driver crying hysterical. It's sort of an incredible thought. I said we were driving with the Mitsubishi. But the Mitsubishi with which we were driving with wasn't really competitive. So we were not competing for victory. But sometimes in rallying, you can reach some next level. The feeling is that you are driving on railroad tracks. And as the flag went up, this is what I did. And did that Mihimpa states as a gesture of honor for those two boys. This is one of the finest moments of my rallying career, he said. Now, I was extremely touched by this. Of course, somebody could say, well, yeah, yes, that is a touching story. In fact, now that I think about it, you know, that's pretty much how I would myself go about in my everyday, if my everyday would be the everyday of a work-life rally driver. In fact, now that I think about it, some of the examples you've here quoted, some of the 
videos maybe you you've shown you know this is uh, pretty much what i would do myself if i would be uh, uh let's say uh, uh, a world-class uh, basketball player surely i would rush to to, to hug uh, uh, and express my love for an ex-champion so you would go through each of the examples and claim that if your everyday would be the everyday of that person in the example, then you would do what the person in the example we discussed did is a possible line of thought. I would say probably not very authentic, the claim. I mean, are you really seriously claiming that if it would be the case that you would be under the bridges, homeless, having been raped at the age of 12, and 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 and, and ha having having lived in this alcoholic family, whatever it is, and now at the age of let's say uh, 42, there you are about to cross Erikinkatu, and you see somebody who has been uh, uh, almost murdered. That you grab the moment, you seize the moment, you stop there in the middle of the street and say, "Great to see you, up and well. Good luck on your journey forward." Like I related this lady in Erikinkatu, the homeless lady, to do. I mean, uh, the fact that somebody does, that means that somebody has done some reflection. And, and, and this is uh, what I hope we have been able, to some extent, to accomplish in the course of this, this, um, this whole. Now, uh, l l let me close with, um, with, with something that represents also the fact that um, I'm going to have in Finnish the philosophy and systems, systems thinking, philosophy systematical course, but that's a lecture course. Uh, this, this particular format that we've here had uh, is really extra. You know, as far as my duties are concerned, I don't really have to do this. And, and uh, so, so, so uh, I'm very pleased, very happy that we did do it. But from my point of view, I don't know if, if I will do it again. Uh, but I'd like to close in a particular way in view of the fact that, uh, of course, there are features to anything I've said so far that represents my idiosyncratic background. Also the fact that I'm a Finn. And here we are in Alta University. This is in Finland. Now, of course, for Finns, Finlandia has a special place, but at the same time it has quite generic qualities, like any great music has generic qualities. In addition, of course, there is a chorus part to it. It's not always sung, but the chorus part actually is also quite generic, also in terms of the wordings, because basically the case of Finland is the case of any nation. So let, let me close with something quite, to me, powerful. This is, uh, this is eight minutes, so it's a little bit longer than the videos we've, uh, we've seen so far. Uh, but, but the idea there is that we would have here a chance maybe to reflect back a little bit of the experience we've had together without uh, uh, feeling that we need to crystallize something specific out of video so so I'd like to close with this 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 eight minute video cut and I'd like to do so 
in such a way that I'm going to sit there right next to my friend Andy, who, who is a great Australian guy who's done such a great job here at Design Factory and, and, uh, and, and, and to Aalto University, to me. But Andy is about to return to his uh, home country. So I, I like to uh, 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 join uh, Andy and, 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 and watch together with you this. That, that to me is, is quite powerful. It's, uh, it's, it's Sakare Orama, one of our great conductors in London, uh, conducting the BBC Symphony Orchestra and chorus. The fact that it's not a Finnish chorus, you can actually, when you listen carefully, hear because, of course, in the words there is a, there is, there's the line uh, where you say, Synnyin uh, maa, uh, your uh, country of birth. But they sing, Synnyin uh, maa, country of sins. It's, it's, it's quite, quite hilarious in a way. Okay, dear friends, that's where I'd like to close. Thank you very much for taking this time to come here and, and, and to, to, to bring, bring, bring your uh, symphony of thought to, 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 to join this, this overall symphony that we created here together. I look forward to, to receive your reflective essays and, and uh, all the best in your lives. Uh, and and uh, I'll, I'll go there at the door so as to be able to, to, to say by hand thank you everybody. Thank you for coming here. Thank you.